Polynesian people, we are here to show the world that we can live in peace and harmony. Kia ora malo, LLA, talo falava kia ora, na bulavanaka la ora, na whakalofa atu, aloha and hello and welcome, you're tuned into Kuri Radio 93.7 FM and I'm your host, The Professional, and this is The Navigators Show, we like to call today Wave Day Wednesdays here on the show because we're halfway through that working week, so we're going to ride this wave into the weekend. Now I'm a little bit late tonight, but I'd like to take a quote out of the artist, Sir, and say, um... Uh, I may be late, but I'm always on time. So, so here we go. Um, it's a big shout out to all our listeners who've been hanging in there. Uh, I've got a very special uh, interview lined up for you all tonight. But before we pull up our anchor and uh, set sail, we would like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting from the traditional lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to the elders of the past, to the elders of the present, and to the elders of the future. He mihi tēnei ngāku ki te tangata moimoia, ngā kaitiaki o te whenua nei, o te pāpakanui a Māui. E mihi ana, e mihi ana. And to our uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners, this is a warning that tonight's show may contain audio of people who have passed on. Now, I hope you've all had a good start to your week and an even better weekend, uh, and I hope you've got a lot of uh, fun things planned uh, for the week coming up. I'll be down in Melbourne um, this weekend for a, uh, a language uh, conference slash school. So uh, my brain is a little bit uh, hectic at the moment, but uh, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. So without further ado, I'm going to get into uh, a couple of tracks here before I uh, give you a bit of a heads up about this interview. Now, I spoke with a Mohawk man from uh, up there in Canada. Uh, his name was Andrew Brandt. And if you're listening, uh, brother, it's a pleasure to have you uh, listening in again on our worldwide famous Kui Radio app, which is uh, free to download too, so uh, get out there and get it if you haven't got it already. And a big uh, uh, special shout out to Dominic Harmon uh, from the Central Coast. Uh, kia ora e hoa, uh, ngā mihi ki a koe mō tō tautoko koupapa. Thank you very much for all of your support. Uh, Dominic was the one who uh, put me in touch with uh, our Canadian brother Andrew uh, up there in Canada. So um, without further ado, I'm going to get into a track like I said. And this one here is by Troy Kingy uh, from one of his uh, new albums. Uh, from the album uh, Holy Trinity Burning Colony. Now, um, this track here is called Babylon Grows. Cuando tu tiempo llegue a su fin, verás que somos los creadores. Que somos uno en lo mismo. 
Yes, you're listening to Kui Radio 93.7 FM. I am the professional. This is the Navigator's Show. And we just heard from Troy Kingy with uh, his track First Nations. Also, Rhea Hall within, was in there with her brand new track called Owner, which I'm going to be pumping uh, really hard on social media as well. And of course, to kick it all off was Troy Kingy again with uh, Babylon Grows. Now, uh, this interview that I did with Andrew Brandt um, that I'll be playing in just a moment, just to give people a bit of a background about what's happening, uh, I'm going to read a bit of a, uh, an article written by, um, uh, a little bit of the article written by David Suzuki, um, the famous uh, Canadian environmentalist, and he goes on to say, actions by and in support of the Wet'suwet'en land defenders are as much about government failure to resolve issues around Indigenous rights and title as they are about pipelines and gas. Some Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs and their people are defending their right to traditional practices, clean air and water, and a healthy environment. They say the coastal gas link pipeline threatens those rights. The $6 billion pipeline to ship fracked gas 670 kilometers from Dawson Creek to Kitimat uh, for liquefying and export is a part of a heavily subsidized $40 billion LNG Canada project owned by Royal Dutch Shell, Mitsubishi Corporation and uh, state-owned Petronas of Malaysia, uh, PetroChina and Korea Gas Corporation. Now, um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, there's basically a, a huge pipeline that's going through uh, First Nations people's uh, lands uh, up in Canada. And as show of solidarity for the Wet'suwet'en people, uh, the Mohawk uh, people have been uh, putting up protests or setting up protests uh, around the railways that go through uh, these rural lands. So we're going to be speaking, I spoke to, I'm going to be airing uh, the interview that I did the other day with one of those men who is uh, on the ground um, at these uh, protest sites and his name once again is Andrew Grant Uh, and without further ado I'm going to get straight into the interview and uh, we'll come back and play a couple of tracks and get back into the other parts of the interview as well so here it is you're listening to the Navigators Show here on Kui Radio 93.7 FM, and I've got a special guest in the studio tonight uh, talking to us all the way from Canada, a Mohawk man by the name of Andrew Brandt. Welcome to the show, my brother. Hi, how are you? 
finally, now that we get to have a chat, I'm feeling a lot better. So could you just introduce uh, yourself to the audience, my bro, um, uh, who your people are and some of your background? Uh, yeah, so my traditional name is Tatagayondo. It means to of equality. Um, my English name is Andrew Brandt, and uh, I'm of the Mohawk people. Um, the Mohawk people are a uh, Eastern Woodland people. Um, so we are part of a confederacy of five different nations. And what our moral compasses are guided by is the great law of peace and our connection with Mother Earth and um, how we take care of it every day by giving thanks to all of the elements. Um, so what we do is we, uh, when we wake up in the morning, we give thanks to all of the elements from the ground up all the way up to uh, sky and creation. Right. It sounds uh, very familiar to uh, what we d- do down here in uh, in this part of the world too. Oh, absolutely. All, these, all of our people are so interconnected, and that's why um, we've seen so many people stand up in solidarity together and throughout Canada because it's not about um, land per se, it's about treating the people properly and how they deserve to be treated as human beings. I couldn't have said it any better, my bro. Now, what's some of your uh, background in the community? Um, how, how do you work with uh, the First Nations people over there, your people over there? Um, extensively, actually. Um, I'm 32 years old, and I've been doing this for about uh, 20 years. So right. Since I was young, I've been standing up for Indigenous rights. I've gone out to uh, different things, like there was in 1995, uh, my uncle was at, um, the upper wash, there was a crisis here in Canada where one of uh, the native warriors got killed by uh, police enforcement. Right, okay. Um, I was actually here um, during the Caledonia crisis in 2006. And that's where a young child got tased by law enforcement and um, all of us came to uh, support the people. That, that was another infringement of land appropriation. And now there's this where uh, the RCMP invaded the West Southern Territory, which is um, not part of Canada at all. There's right. No agreement there. And and uh, so, who are they again? Are they the uh, Royal Mounted Police? Yeah, they're the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and uh, they were actually established um, when Can- when Canada was formed in 1957 to remove Indigenous children from their homes. Right. And uh, in in prison um, adults if they didn't comply. Right, okay. I had no idea about that. Now, uh, with having said that, can you give the people a little bit of history of uh, of your people, how long you've been in that area for, and uh, when really colonisation started to impact your people? So colonisation really started to impact uh, my people personally um, around 1609. Um, that's when uh, the people came over and when we first saw them like ammunitions, first trip shot. Um, before that, there was a little bit of contact with the Dutch, but in 1613, we actually made a peace agreement. Um, right. And it was called the Two-Row Wampum, and that's where we would um, live side by side together in peace and harmony without um, infringing on each other's political or cultural, spiritual views. So we've been here for a long time. We actually, the Mohawks got pushed out of um, what's now New York State, and we have been giving, given land by the Queen of England. So with that agreement, we're actually 
allies with the Queen of England. Right. Okay. Sounds very familiar. I'm not sure if you're uh, if you know about the Waitangi tri- uh, Treaty that was uh, formed between uh, uh, the Crown at the time and uh, Maori chiefs in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Mm, yes, it does, and I had no idea about uh, that treaty that you just spoke about. Yeah, so the treaty that we actually live on in uh, Kandanaga, the actual name for Kandanaga is Kanyanga. It's just the place, the land. Right. So what this land was our original hunting and fishing territory. So when we got driven out, we moved to Lachine, Quebec, and then migrated here um, just to the Bay of Queen, where it what is present-day Kayangamega. This right here was a lot of trust by Sir John Graves Simcoe in the name of uh, the king. And um, it's called the Simcoe Deed, or Treaty Three and a Half. So that was enacted in 1793. Um, and then in 1819, 1820, uh, the Canadian National Railway decided they would put a rail line through that territory. And they didn't consent with the uh, Mohawk people. So when the Mohawk warriors went out there to try to stop them from putting it through, um, the Canadian National Railway Police came and imprisoned those men. Right. So and- the Canadian National Railway Police are actually a similar type of force that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police is for. Yeah. The, the Canadian National Railroad Police is for was to actually clear the lane of any indigenous people at all. Murder them, kill them, burn their villages, everything. Mm. Absolutely horrible. I am familiar somewhat uh, with with that particular uh, era, um, and I know that uh, there's been quite a few um, uh, court cases where a lot of this evidence has been presented uh, quite recently too in the last few years. Absolutely, and the last school actually didn't close until uh, 1997. 97? Yeah. Wow. Now, bro... Not a very distant past at all, (laughs) No, no, it's not. I mean, and, and, you know, even going back to as far as the early 1800s, 1700s, that's not too long ago either. That's a couple of couple of generations, really. Absolutely. And um, some people would say that we might have broken off our piece or broken that off, but I'd like to remind everybody that there was another piece too that was agreed upon in Montreal, which is called the Great the Great Peace of Montreal. And that was done in 1701 between 29 nations as well as the Crown. Right, okay. The, the Great Peace of Montreal. Yeah. Okay. And also, um, after a little bit of that, some uh, little infighting went on uh, with the Spanish coming in closer. Um, all of that conquisition happened. So in 1793, what happened was, this, was or 1763, sorry, um, there was the Royal Proclamation. And what that did was try to ensure that um, there was no more infringement on indigenous land. Um, everything was cut up so there would be no more colonization. Right. Um, so after after the Royal Proclamation came, um, 
the uh, American Revolution. Right. Okay. Now, there's there's a lot um, that I'm learning from listening to you in this short period of time, and there's a lot for me to uh, investigate and and research, and hopefully uh, oh, yeah. something has sparked in the minds of our listeners for them to get out there and have a look at uh, all these untold stories as well. Well, what I think the key is is because um, the way it's all relative is the way that it's all been colonized all the way across. It's all been the same thing with, um, with treaties, with agreements, um, with different promises, and each and every single one, it's been broken. And every single time, every single time the indigenous people want to voice their concerns or voice their rights, they're actually... Um, be given consent and consultation. Um, right. It's been taken away and legislated again. Right. Every single colonized country. That's right. They, they for, for me, a lot of it is just a um, a way for them to appear uh, that they care. Right. So when we said no trains through, they said, okay, well, can we just get these two passenger trains through? So we said, you know what? We're, we're good people. We're gracious. We're going to allow these people that have been sitting there to carry on with their trip. Right. So when we allowed those two trains through, what CN did, the Canadian National Railroad, what they did was they let, they immediately broke one of their agreements. Right, so they just so pushed straight said, through. Okay. Yeah, so we said, all right, no, just no more. And we, we brother, we never had anything on the track that ever. Right. Now, for, for some people who don't actually understand what we're talking about, um, can you talk about the uh, protests the protests and the blockages of these railways? Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, where our territory is, we live on um, like the, main, the main line where everything goes to Canada. Um, so when the Wet'suwet'en people called out for help from out west for, for them to stand, first to stand in solidarity with them, we answered their call, um, but we did it in a nonviolent way. Um, so what we did was we went up and we sat out about five or ten feet away from the railway line, and uh, in a bucket we built a fire. So when that fire was built, CN contacted uh, the man that was there that started the fire and told them, hey, you know what, you're too close, and uh, you need to get away from there. So... He refused and said, no, we're not going to go anywhere until the Royal Canadian Mounted Police get out of unceded territory. Right. So then what happened was uh, CN decided to shut the railways down due to safety. Due to safety. Right, right. Because you, the thing you, is, mm. yeah, the thing is with the safety, um, they didn't have to shut it down because they had the option of slowing the trains down through that intersection. So they did not have to shut anything down whatsoever. Right, okay. Okay, so when uh, the Canadian National Railroad got an injunction against us, they essentially lied to the judge saying that we were blocking the railroad. Right, literally on the tracks. Right, that's what they had said to get their injunction. You'd never actually physically been on the tracks. It was, like you were saying, a a few metres away from from the tracks. Yeah, and we were never, ever on it. So, and right from the very beginning, there's all kinds of documentation. Right from the beginning, that there's never, ever been anything on the track. So, what had happened then, they gave us an ultimatum. You have until the 25th at midnight to get out of there, the 25th of February. And we said, well, we're not going to move until you get 
out of Black Suburban territory. Mm. So they came in, and it was about five in the morning, six in the morning. Um, they came in and started intimidating them then. And uh, one of the officers grabbed one of our guys and threw a punch. And so they initiated violence with our men, took them down. There was about 30 or 40 officers to 10 of our guys. Right. And they beat them up and threw them in jail. Some were, a couple were taken in the hospital. Um, so when we got back, we regrouped and we told them we're not moving because traditionally when somebody attacks us, just like any other tribe, any other nation, that's a declaration. Mm. Mm. So we're peaceful. We're a peaceful people. What we did is we're going to stay, stand our ground. We're not going anywhere. We're, that's our show of force. Mm. Mm. Because that's what they're most afraid of. That's right. So they were trying to incite violence? They are trying to incite violence. Because there's all kinds of these. Uh, if you read, if you check out some of the live stuff, some of the live season thing, um, you can see that there's inciting violence. Um, so right now, what they did after they cleared the tracks of us, of our so-called barricade, um, what they did, and I just want to add in there, we never had any traffic blocked. You could always pass traffic through the road, just not the railway. Right. Okay. So what the, what the Ontario Provincial Police did, our provincial police force, they, they blocked off both sides of the road on each side of the track. So no traffic could pass through. Is that the, the big... Go by. Is that the big, heavy uh, concrete slabs I've been seeing? Yeah. Right. Okay. So they blocked off the roads, public roads, so their corporate trains could get through. Mm. And took people off of their own territory, who were allies of the Queen. Right. Right. Um, I think it's really important as well, uh, since I've been watching some of the images from all over Canada um, with with the uh, police removing uh, certain people from their uh, protection of their lands, uh, one thing that pops into my head is the logo of the crown, the uh, the crown that's on the uniforms of many of these law enforcement people on the on the paddy wagons or the vans that they uh, take people away in is the same crown that's on a lot of uniforms here in Australia and in New Zealand and in other places. Yeah, it's, yes, it's absolutely the same crown and it's the same crown that's in England.
I think it's really important that people make this connection that it is the same entity doing all of these things all around the world. Absolutely. It is the same entity. And even um, our Mohawk people have cried out in a letter to the Crown from their allies, an official letter, and we still haven't had any word back. Right. Well, we're still waiting as well. We've been waiting for, for 180 years plus. Yeah, I hear you. 150 something here. <laughs> mm. My bro, can you um can you tell us what uh, the feeling is like on the ground? You know, uh, how are you fellas feeling down there? Um, we're getting tired mostly. You know, getting wet and foggy now at this time of year here. Um, but really, what keeps us going is um, our elders coming in to tell us stories. It's good. And uh, sometimes the women will bring their kids in and they'll sing some of our songs. You know, they're always bringing in food and there's always something to laugh about. So, you know, we're always having a good time. Mm, mm. Um, and then we look over on the other side of the tracks and we see these guys in their uniforms and their cars and all we can do is sit snicker at them, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. They're, they're having such a hard time. But, like, and then it's just a concept that many of us just don't understand on their side of, you know, all this, they could have moved their pipeline over so many hundreds of yards each way. They had three different choices to move, but they refused and wanted to go through the same way. And and the only so, the only reason I can see for that is that it'd be more expensive than what they've decided to do. Exactly. So standing off and fighting the indigenous people is costing them more. It cost them more in the first two weeks to fight us than it did resources into that and we still have so many missing and murdered women here and children and young men not discovered and a lot of it done at the hands of these pipeline work camps all those are Canadian mounted police outposts wow those have a lot to do with it and there's even stories of city police like in Winnipeg Manitoba here they would drive people out into the middle of nowhere in the middle of winter drop them off and see if they can make it home some people died freezing Wow. Still a thing. Wow, that is that is evil. That's what our law enforcement does to us. This is a day to day thing. And how much media coverage are, are you getting on, on these issues, not just the pipeline, but some of the ones you just spoke about? Not very much. We're heavily centered. We're centered into the great, peaceful, friendly, loving country. Yeah. Where it can be any farther from the truth. I just want to say there's so much hate and racism here. We're getting death threats, bomb threats, you know, people wanting to find their families, everything. Horrible. That's, 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 yeah, that's unbelievable um, that, that people could still, you know, react these ways today. Um, and the first reaction is because, they, and they're saying, run them over, get them, get out there and shoot them. Mm, <laughs> mm, disgusting. They should be having have shooting Indian Day, like the Purge. I, I did read that on um uh, on your YouTube channel. Yeah, and you know I, I was trying to trying to relate to that to see how I would feel about that, and and and, and I just can't. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm you know, I think we to hear about it. You know, to me, it's just a story, but you fellas lived through it. Yeah, um, and it's 
it's the residual pain and the residual trauma that we're all trying to shed off. So what I'm trying to remind my people, my indigenous people to lie on here, is that they've already tried the genocide on They've already tried it and it didn't work. Mm. We're still here. We're still practicing our languages, our dances. We still have our arts. We still have our families, lineages. We still have all of this despite what they have tried to do to us. So now it's time for us to stand up and shed that colonial pain. Stand up to who, what we are, who we are as indigenous people of Mother Earth and take her back. Hmm. Hmm. I saw a beautiful quote um, from some of the protectors in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and it's simply said, our Indigenous love is stronger than our colonial pain. That's right. It's true. We've been resilient for thousands of years, and we're going to be resilient for thousands more. Mm, mm. You know, it takes quite a, a special group of people to be able to go through what our people have gone through and still be here and still be as peaceful as we are. It takes a lot of violence to become this peaceful. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's a quite great quote, my bro.
What are some of the potential environmental impacts um, that this pipeline is, is, is going to cause? So what happened was the West Jordan Chiefs, they actually did some extensive research by going down into the United States and examining some of the natural pipelines there. Mm. And um, what they what they had noticed was after the pipeline was built initially, the surrounding area was good for about five to ten years. After about five to ten years, um, that's when environmental hazards start uh, cropping up and it was extremely toxic to the land. So what what the what two of the hereditary chiefs did understand was that there was still potential in there. So they didn't want to go against what everybody thought. They were trying to make a deal. Mm. So a certain spot that um, these uh, coastal and gas tank people wanted to put the pipeline was right through um, the four thousand year old trail. So the West Southern Chiefs said, "No, that's not a good spot." So they gave them three other options. And and what 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 is that trail used for? Um, it's a tr- uh, traditional trail that they use for thousands of years, uh, just navigation, hunting, everything like that. Medicines. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Mm. Um, I have seen uh, some documentaries of some of the pipelines in the States, and I've seen that uh, some of the residents where the pipeline is close to, they've turned on their tap and they've been able to light their water on fire. Yeah, that's what the, uh, the, one of the chief woos. He said that uh, he tried that and it worked. And, and it worked? Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. Now... What sort of I've heard some other reports in the media about uh, approval that this company has um, uh, gotten, and uh, the company that I'm speaking of, correct me if I'm wrong, is Trans Canada Corporation. Yes, Trans Canada Corporation. Um, so, what you actually notice if you look into Canada is that it's actually listed as a corporation. Right. It's not listed as a country, and the reason this is is because. Um, the country needs to have certain things, and land is being one of them. Right. And uh, technically, Canada doesn't have any land because it's all treaty-based. Right, okay. So what's the connection between the group Trans-Canada Corporation and and uh, the Canadian government? They're two, they're two companies on the stock market exchange that can, change, that can exchange with each other and make trades and make money off of each other. So Canada's making money off Trans-Canada, Trans-Canada's making money off of the rest of the world. Right, so so essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying that Trans Canada Corporation and the what people would call the Canadian uh, country is actually uh, on the same level. Exactly, they're on the same level, and uh, what Canada is is actually um, a corporation that's coming in in order to um, appropriate assets for the crown. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, brother. I've studied all of that. I'm with you. Yeah. No different to what they call uh, the Australian government. It's uh, I'm with you, bro. I know that talk. Yeah, so um, same thing all over the world, different names, right? And Yeah, people have got no idea about that. Exactly. So, you know, as long as we start talking, speaking together, like as Indigenous people and getting the truth out there, then they can't. Brother, my thoughts exactly. Our blood is strong. Our blood is from the earth. We're we're 
all one mind, one body, and one spirit, we can do this just by standing up and using our voices, clearing our throats and singing, singing our songs hard. Yeah, my brother, I'm with you. And and unfortunately, um, we're not the majority in, in a lot of the places that we call home. And it's important for us yeah. to educate those who are not Indigenous as well, or, or First Nations people, Absolutely. or original people, as I like to say. Exactly. And, you know, we're all in it together. For us to fight to preserve Mother Earth, we're all in it together because we all have to live here. That's right. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they hate us or not, we're still fighting for them. Yeah, that, that's right. We're fighting for them as well. Yeah. Now, bro, um, can you talk about any sort of, um, if you know about any sort of com- compensation that's been uh, put forward by Trans Canada Corporation in case there is a malfunction or anything like that? Have they spoken about any of that? Um, they, they always like to say that there's always procedures, there's protocols, we have things under control. But that's also the same thing that Canada tells its people about their control over the indigenous people, which is the same thing that England tells they have control over their commonwealth. Mm. <laughs> right? Mm. It's all like, the, okay, don't worry, everything's good. But whichever, whichever the bad guy, being indigenous people, of course. Yeah. We're interfering with the profit. Oh, well, that's it. comes down to profit. Exactly. And, and I put it right out there on national radio here that it's all about greed. Well, 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 that's it. It's not, it's not a necessity. Um, a lot no, of these things. We had traders for thousands of years. We, we've managed a long time without money. Mm. And, you know, you can't make any money if you don't have any land. Exactly. Um, you can't. What are you going to have money to spend on if there's no more water, no more air? Exactly. No more animals, no more anything. Like, what, what are we, we going to do? We're not going to be anything. What we truly need to do is all remember who we are. That's the only way we're going to win anything. I'm with you, my bro. I'm with you. I'll, I'll, I'll... I hope a lot of people think like that. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, well, you know, say it loud and clear, and and I'm happy to to um push your message too because I'm with you, bro. And a lot of us down here are with you, yeah. fellas, too. Yeah, I definitely you know uh, everything that happened there just literally made me cry. By watching all those fires and everything, just, mm. I couldn't believe it. I put my tobacco down, my sacred tobacco for you all, all there. Mm. But my thanks to you. So, well, you, you know, it's man, happening everywhere. So. It's you know, yeah, we're 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 all in this struggle together. Um, it was heartbreaking for me to see uh, some of the protesters taken into the vans and and uh, uh, them screaming out their war cry that you fellows have from inside the vans. Yeah. You know, we, we feel it down here too, brother. Yeah, well, if we can all stand up and, you know, say, hey, you know what, your genocide didn't work that first time, not going to work anymore, mm. you know. Mm. Now we're actually, we're making jokes about the racism now. That's how bad it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know it's bad when you can start making jokes about it. Mm. You know, I, I say to some people, you know, if the crown was an individual, with a criminal record like it has, people would be up in arms to put that individual away for life. Oh, absolutely! You know, but because absolutely. it has this 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 title with its name, or it's not even a real title; it's just a name. People think it's immune, yeah. and it's a, nothing but a force of good. Right. Mm. Oh, there's um, an appropriation machine. Yeah, that's uh, right. Genocide machine, I guess. 
Well, and many other things too. Absolutely. Uh, it's just, it's something that never should have been and it's completely outdated. So, you know, the colonialism needs to stop and we need to just stand up and say, hey, we're people too. Stop knocking us down. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, I think it's also... Say that again, brother? They're going to try to knock us down at the roots, but when you're made from the ground, that's kind of hard to do. So we're going to stand strong, every single one of us, as Indigenous people. That's it, my bro. Um, You know, I think it's it goes even... The crown is older than people think. Um, You know, it's evident in the fact that they use a lot of Latin in courtrooms. Tells me that it's a lot of these ways that they function are actually from, you know, the ancient times, you know, uh, i.e. the Roman Empire. The great law of peace that we follow here, Mm. um, that we're working with right now, um, that actually predates the time of Cleopatra. Wow. Yeah, so we've been doing this for a while. Mm, mm. And, I, 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 you know, through my research as well, I do know that uh, if there is a particular law in a particular land, uh, you know, and then these fellows come in and take over, you have to prove that that law is still in effect today. Yeah, and so what had happened, that actually did happen with the Royal Proclamation of 1763 and the Treaty of Niagara in 1764. Those two were affirmed and recognized by the Crown. Right, okay. Yeah, so they're breaking their own laws. <laughs> yeah, 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 and they know it, and they know it. Right, exactly. They just don't want everybody else to know it. Exactly. They, they're they running CN trains, freight trains along the lines right now, but they're not running any passenger trains by. Right, okay. The only thing that we can think of is that they don't want people to see how peaceful we are.
A lot of uh, talk that I've heard in some of the interviews uh, have been about the UN Declaration of uh, Indigenous Rights, and I, I yeah. find it interesting because I reported on a story a couple of years ago when it was being passed through the UN and a few different countries were signing it. I know for a fact that uh, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, America, and I think there was one more or two, uh, refused to sign it until it was clear yeah. that nothing was legally binding. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts, my thoughts on that are I told you so. Mm. Mm. You know? Mm. For a lot of people that hadn't been paying attention before, hadn't been listening before, um, that was a clear sign of we're not done colonizing. I couldn't have said it better. Mm. And, and we don't really care. So, yeah. This is for... This was a... This this is a um uh, a bit of a uh, smokescreen for the general population to think that things yeah, are changing and that we are good organisations, exactly. but it's clearly not the case when it's not legally binding. Right. So our prime minister Justin Trudeau's uh, big words are um, indigenous relationships are the most important. Well, there's this uh, video on YouTube called Lies 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 by Christy Belcourt nailed perfectly. Right, okay. Yeah. Lies, lies, lies. Yeah. Okay, Christy Belcourt. And yeah, she's uh she's an indigenous activist here. Okay. And artist. They usually make the best activists. Oh yeah. <laughs> and um Justin Trudeau's been preaching ever since the beginning, um, about reconciliation with the indigenous people. Mm. And um, the only thing that I had to say about that was how do you how do you do rec any kind of reconciliation at the end of a gun? Mm. Mm. Yep. How do you sit down and discuss things at the end of a gun? That's right. Are you going to actually are you actually going to agree with the person, or are you going to just do what they say because they're holding a the gun to your head? Mm. Well, they still got the gun to gun to all of our heads, but they don't have enough ammunition for all of us. Time for us to use our voices. That's right. That's right. Um, the, another thing that comes to my mind when I think about reconciliation is that, you know, you were talking earlier about uh, that these entities who claim to run countries are actually just corporations and that the word reconciliation falls within that corporate language or that economic language and all it really means is to wipe the debt between one party exactly. to another. So, you know, the ideas that people have on the street are very different to what these these words and, and you know, actually mean in a courtroom. Exactly. And um, so what happened for hundreds of years now is the Crown has been subsidizing Indigenous people. So with all of these treaties that they have made, um, they've made all these different promises but the indigenous people have never gotten anything out of that because we've always been pushed to the most desolate land, mm. uh, the one, the places with the worst resources. Mm. Because all the settlers, they got the good farmland, the good um, places near the waters, all those different things. Yeah. Right? Yep. Same. Same down here. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, I heard from Dr. Tate, uh, Carla Tate, uh, that um, yep. less than all, all of the reserve land uh, up in Canada is less than 1% of all of the lands in Canada. 
basically you've been you've been put in the in the smallest box they could find. Yes, um, and what's ironic about that is they found a way to put every almost every pipeline through indigenous territory. Exactly. Exactly. So that's not a true sign of colonialism. Mm. What else? Mm. Mm. And um, I was on with uh, another gentleman on the radio there, um, and he had mentioned that how it could be an inconvenience to others <laughs> with this railroad block. And I, I said, you know what? Um, you know, I can empathize with some of the inconvenience because our people lived with that for a long time. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so I said, yeah, so that's inconvenient, but there's really nothing else you can do but try to make your voice heard. Mm. <laughs> mm. And spread you know, that truth. Really like but it's, it's now that um, it's harder for them to, it's harder for them to silence us because I refuse to lie. You know, tell the truth about everything that's happening. You know, tell the truth about the history. I'm a teacher. I teach it in my classroom every day. I'll stand on the front line. I'll do radio interviews. I'll go to my classroom and teach. I have a family. <laughs> I have lots of things on my plate. You know? Yeah. That's why I want my daughter to grow up in a good world. I'm doing this for the next seven generations. This isn't for me. That's right. And, and, you know, it's even with me here sometimes amongst, um, my community as well. Uh, some, some of these things can be shocking, but, you know, I'm never ashamed to tell the truth about things if it bursts people's bubbles or not. Yeah. It's, and it's good too when you can have, um, people around you that can, um, you know, see where you're coming from and understand. Mm. And that's why it's good for, for us, like, to communicate around the world as Indigenous people because we've all gone through the same colonization phases. Mm, you know, and still everything. are like, yeah, and still are. And um, one of the things that we get here is just get over it. Yeah. Oh, well, well, well you know, know, that's the common, the common uh, comment from the colonial regimes is get over it. Right. But at the same time, how do you get over something that's still going on? Exactly. 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 But now, um, with, with that being said, it actually leads me into another one of my questions. Why is it important for the worldwide community to know about these things that are going on over there with your people at the moment? Because it's not just happening here. It's happening in the United States. It's happening in Mexico. It's happening in Central America, South America. It's happening in Australia. It's happening in New Zealand. It's happening absolutely everywhere. Um, when you see these places moving in, say, oh, Oh, I just need this little bit of land. Oh, I just need this little bit of land. It's um, kind of like Israel building on Palestine. <laughs> well, you know, you know, you know. As far as I know, the Palestinians are indigenous indigenous people. Yeah, they are. And that's that's the complete other end of it. And what's so ironic is that these nations who claim to be these great peaceful uh, law-keeping nations have basic laws of no destruction uh, or violence towards persons or property. Right. Yet that's what they built themselves on. Destruction, fear, and terror. Mm. So, you know, I find... Say that again. Propaganda. Propaganda. Yeah. So what can we do down here uh, to support you fellas? Um, 
you know, even just like with the show of solidarity, like it was one of the dances um, in a public place. Um, show one of our flags or, you know, and something. Somebody had an idea where if you stopped one of your uh, main rails for like a half an hour with a thing that said we support our indigenous brothers and sisters, something like that, like, you know, it goes a long way. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, at this point, we're at civil disobedience, and that's how you change the world. Mm. An unjust law is no law at all. Exactly. You have to remember, slavery was legal at one point. That's right. All right, my bro. Um, it's like a whole. It's a whole new civil rights movement, only for the original people of these lands. So where can we where can we uh, find you online? Where can our listeners find you online, Andrew? So you can find me online at Rambling Mohawk on Facebook or on YouTube, Rambling Mohawk. All right, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, my brother, and we'll keep in touch. Uh, this, Like I said, this is going to be uh, one of many interviews uh, with Andrew and with others uh, to keep us all updated on the truth about what's going on uh, up there in Canada at the moment. And thank you for being on board, my brother. Yeah, thank you for having me. Kakite hoa. Hey, this is Andrew Brandt, Mohawk Nation, and Turtle Clan, listening to Corey Radio on the Navigator Show. <laughs>